I think Jesse said I have till about 1.30, so that'll be, that'll be good. Um, so good to be here today with you guys. Uh, I hear about lots of the comings and goings and the things that are happening here at the church through Jesse because we get together every week uh, ministering together and also just having a chance to sit down and have lunch together. And those have become really wonderful times for us. And I know that we've just really had a great connection. And I think our great connection is in a large part because of our similar kind of stories of how God has just kind of brought us from one thing to another, uh, taking us from working. I mean, Jesse being at Lowe's, I was a building contractor. Uh, and all of a sudden, God just opens the door up and says, now you're going to be a pastor. And so you just kind of make that transition to do that. And so I wanted to give you just a little tiny um, uh, bio about me because I know some of you don't know me very well. Um, in 1977, I met my wonderful wife, Nancy. Uh, she was a bank teller. I was a building contractor. We got together. Uh, uh, we just really uh, were looking forward to what God was going to do in our lives and what he would do with us. And he moved us from the church that we were in at that time to another church. And at that church, uh, that pastor was excited when uh, it came to about the 1980s and uh, President uh, Reagan was, was in charge and all of a sudden the walls began to go down over in Europe and you were able to go into Russia and places like that. And uh, this pastor had been in the army, he had been in army intelligence, he could speak fluent Russian. And so he said, I want to go to Russia uh, to bring the gospel into Russia. And so he got up and announced to the church that that's what he was going to do. And they said, what are we going to do? And he said, I would ask Kurt to be the pastor. <laughs> so I was a building contractor, asked to be the pastor. So I stepped into that job and I only hung on there for 22 years uh, in Waverly, New York at Christian Life Church. And uh, it turned out that Christian Life Church needed a lot of physical work on the building. And that's why God brought a building contractor slash pastor in uh, to do that work that was there. And while I was there at, at that church, uh, we had a couple that joined the church. And they were doing a once a month service at Elmira Correctional Facility, which is maximum security. And they came to me and they said, Pastor Kurt, would you love to go in with us and uh, join us in our church service uh, up on the hill there? And I thought about it and I said, no, I really don't have any interest in doing that at all. Uh, <laughs> I really didn't. I said, oh, I, I got enough to do without doing that. And uh, so they said they were a little disappointed that I really wasn't enthusiastic like they were. And I had never been in there, so I really didn't uh, um, know about their enthusiasm. I didn't understand it. But at that same time, Chuck Colson was coming on the scene. Uh, in 76, he had started prison fellowship ministry. In the early 80s, they started the movie Born Again. I don't know if you saw Born Again that came out that was about Chuck Colson's life. Chuck Colson was in the Richard Nixon staff. Uh, he was called the, uh, uh, what was it, the hitman or something like that. He was the guy that made the arrangements behind the scenes to clean things up, and Watergate was a big mess. And uh, he was the only guy out of the whole group that ended up spending time in, in jail. And so Chuck Colson went away and did that, and the guys in jail said to him, when you leave, you'll forget all about us. Chuck said, no, I won't do that. He says, I'm going to uh, start a prison ministry, which he did. And... Uh, um, you know, the, the film came out and there was a lot of interest in Chuck Colson. And so the lady and the man that were going into the Elmira Correctional Facility said to me, 
we'd love to have Chuck Colson come and preach at the prison and also come to our church. And I said, that's great, I'll do that, that sounds wonderful. And uh, it turned out that Chuck at that time, it was like 1984 or five, uh, Chuck was already booked up till about 2010 uh, because he became such a, a voice of the evangelical church at that time. And so he didn't come. Uh, he was going to Billy Graham, you know, uh, meetings and all kinds of stuff, and so he didn't have a chance to come. But we got on the radar with Prison Fellowship, and Prison Fellowship contacted us, and they contacted me particularly, and they said, would you like to be an in-prison seminar coordinator for uh, Prison Fellowship? And I said, well, that's interesting. And so before I knew it, I had a ticket in my hand and I was flying out to Colorado, uh, to Denver, Colorado, to be trained with about 100 other people uh, to be going into prisons. And they didn't send me into the nice ones. They sent me into Elmira, Attica, you know, Clinton, you know, all the, the really worst ones in the state. And so that's where I was going. And that's when I began to pick up on the enthusiasm that these uh, folks that joined my church had because I began to see, wow, this is a great ministry to do that. And I also enjoyed, uh, even though I was pastoring, I was just a volunteer with Prison Fellowship, they kept coming after me to hire me. And uh, finally, in 2000, they kind of custom-made a job for me that was called the field director for upstate New York. And so that was a, uh, an opportunity to go to churches, talk to churches about prison ministry, recruit people, train people, and then take them into prison. And uh, they, I got a chance then to get to know Chuck Colson. He became a mentor for me as I was going down to Washington quite often. Uh, the last year that I worked for them in 2009, uh, I was with the Training and Learning Services Department. It was actually producing materials that we were using to train church volunteers and also uh, used for inmates and also used for our staff members that we had at that time. And then uh, the stock market just fell apart and the ministry just really had to reduce drastically. And so uh, they had to lay me off along with about 300 other of their employees that were uh, going to Washington and were part of the team there. And at that time, just before that happened, and this is again God's plan, um, I had met a friend that was the chaplain at Shemung County Jail, and he was saying to me, I want you to meet Pastor Doug Smith. Pastor Doug Smith is a um, guy who started this thing called Golden Key Prison Ministry, uh, and he's in about five county jails around in this area, and I think you'd really enjoy meeting him, and so he arranged a meeting. I did meet him. Uh, he, had, he was... He was almost asleep on his feet because his daughter had just given birth to twins and he had been at the hospital all night and so he was just really out of it. And so we sat there and we said, well, let's, let's get back together again in a couple weeks after you're feeling better and whatever. I got a telephone call saying that God had taken Pastor Doug home. And so within the three weeks that I, from the time I met him, all of a sudden he's going home to be with the Lord. And his organization comes to me and they said, what are we going to do? Can we become part of prison fellowship? And I said, well, they're not really doing county jail ministry. They do state and federal. But I said, uh, I'll see if it's all right for me to work with you guys and work with prison fellowship, which I did for a short period of time until, um, as I said, I was laid off from prison fellowship. God was already planning my next job. And so here I was part of Golden Key already. They said, well, hey, we're willing to uh, bring you on full time. And so that was really uh, an amazing thing that I had one job and then I went right to another job. 
And uh, then I added back in Elmira Correctional Facility in Southport because I was familiar with them and with the chaplains. And uh, so now that's what we're doing is a, a four-county area plus uh, we're doing the uh, uh, Elmira and Southport. And now Jesse, well, he has some interest here in Seneca County. Uh, so possibly we'll be expanding there too and doing some things. I don't know. That's as the Lord would have it. But in 2014, I had uh, Jesse Barrett called me up and said, hey, uh, I'd really like to find out more about Golden Key Prison Ministry. I saw the website. And so he uh, uh, said, let's get together, and we did. And we just had that immediate connection with each other. As I said, I think because God was kind of drawing us in the same way. And so I had a chance to, to meet and get to know Jesse. And the rest of the story you guys kind of know about, uh, he started to get opportunities to go preach different places, as I do myself. And, uh, you know, he had several churches all at the same time that wanted him to come be their pastor. And I'll just let you know, he preferred you guys. So I'm glad that he came here and you guys called him. And I'm looking forward to this being a wonderful connection for you guys. If you turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1, I just want to, uh, and I'm good at, at um, editing as I go here, so I'll edit this down so we're not here for too long. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our, in Jesus Christ our Lord as his divine power has given us all things. Just, I mean, I hope you just get this stuff that he tells us. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue by which we have, he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature. <sighs> Can you just get all that stuff? I mean, he's just packed it in there, all these wonderful things that we have as Christians. Then he goes on saying, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this reason, giving all diligence Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. That's agape love, God's love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. I was glad when I was walking through here, I see you had daily breads up here. And in August, it was August 22nd, there was amazing daily bread that was called unfrozen. I don't know if you remember that one back that far, but unfrozen. I was really touched by that one because it was talking about the fact that many times when we've had something in our life where we made a really bad decision, or perhaps we really took the wrong path, or we had some real problems in our life, a lot of times people will leave us frozen in that situation. When they have a conversation and your name comes up, they'll say, oh yeah, that was the guy who did that, or that was the lady who went off the track, you know. So they'll just keep us frozen in that situation. And so the writer of the devotional that day was saying, we're so glad that God unfreezes us. So we don't have to stay in that all the time. And they used the story of Peter. Because Peter really had some 
you know, issues in his life and things that happened in his life that uh, he could have been frozen in those things, but instead God unfroze him and used him. And I just thought, wow, that is so fantastic. Because, I mean, I love Matthew chapter 16 where it talks there about Peter uh, and Jesus asked that question, who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up and says, well, you're, you're, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, you didn't get that from man. You got that from God. And you can kind of see Peter just kind of going, yeah, I got that from God. You know, because Peter, he was the guy that talks more than anybody else, you know, in the disciples. And then just a few verses later, after Jesus is saying, now because I'm the Son of God, i got to tell you guys something, I'm going to be going to the cross. And what does Peter say? Be it far from thee, Lord, to go to that cross. <laughs> And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan, for you relish the things of men and not the things of God. Wow. Now, we don't know the chronology of that chapter, but what if that happened within just a few moments of each other? He gets complimented, <laughs> and now he's, get me behind, get me behind. He actually threw him into the circle of disciples, it said. He threw Peter out, said, get thee behind me. Wow. So Peter had that one to deal with. Then, of course, you know about the fact that he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And Jesus said, well, three times before tomorrow morning, before the cock crows, you're going to have denied me three times. So Peter had that one. Later on, actually, in the early church ministry, he had the situation with uh, Paul, where Paul had to withstand him to the face, because here Peter was... Uh, kind of wanting to deny the Gentiles because uh, he had this long-standing Jewish relationship. And he was like, ah. And Peter, you know, Paul came to him and said, Peter, remember that time that Peter was along the shores of the lake and Jesus, resurrected Jesus, was able to talk to him. Do you love me, Peter? And he says, he was using agape. He said, do you love me with agape love, with God's love? And Peter said, well, I do love you with phileo love. I do love you with, you know, brotherly love and whatever. So Peter had a lot of stuff on his plate. And yet God unfroze him. And then he's in this thing. And ah, we need all day to go through this stuff. Because just look at all the stuff that he tells us here. He's, he, he reminds us that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That uh, he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises so that we can partake of the divine nature. We don't have to continue just with human nature. We don't have to wait for heaven. We can start now with beginning to taste what it is to have the divine nature. Wow, that's something. You know, to, to understand, you know, what it's like to be like, I mean, isn't that our goal, to be like Jesus? And here he's saying God's making it possible for you to do that. And uh, so as Peter goes along here, he's really telling us, diligently, diligently add to your faith the next thing. And, and he's, he's trying to get us really motivated to go in that direction. Diligently here in the original Greek means to make haste, to be eager, to do one's best, to take care, to exert oneself. I want to have more than just my salvational faith just more than my relationship with God, I want to go on further. I want to have as much as I can have right now before I go home to be in heaven. I want to build. I want to grow. I want to get as much as I can get. Now, you know that there's a great difference between the Christians 
who are diligently going after everything that they can have in Christ and the ones who have their ticket to heaven and they're just kind of drifting along, right? You know the difference between those folks. The ones that are the eager ones are the ones that every time you can say to them, what have you learned from God today? And they can tell you because they're learning, they're growing, (laughs) they're changing. They're being transformed by the renewing of their mind. And it's pretty amazing. And so he's kind of encouraging us to know that we can go from that salvational faith to the next step. Um, I love Kenneth Wiest commentaries. I don't know if you have Kenneth Wiest, but if you do, if you don't, look him up. There's a four-volume thing. He hasn't done the whole New Testament. I wish he had, but he's done a lot of it. And I just love his, his comments that he makes on it. And in this particular portion of Scripture... This is what Kenneth Wiest has to say about the nature of us going on. He says, The divine nature is not an automatic self-propelling machine that will turn out a Christian life for the believer irrespective of what that believer does or the attitude he takes to the salvation which God has provided. You see that? He's saying it's not just automatic. You're not, you're not just going to automatically, it's not like God just waves a magic wand over you or something like that, and all of a sudden you're an amazing Christian um, beyond your salvation. I mean, he, he wants us to have this amazing Christian life. Uh, he wants to call us to all sorts of amazing things. He wants to use us in all sorts of amazing ways. We are his body of believers that he has things for us to do. And so Peter is saying here, I really want you to... Uh, understand that you have something to do. You have something. You need to add to your faith something else. And then, I think the most important thing in here that I wanted to touch on today in the last five minutes or so, and uh, maybe a little bit more if you're gracious with me, uh, was the fact that, did you ever think about how God inspired the Word of God to people? You know, how did he inspire people to write the Word of God? The, you know, Peter is the one that says in his, in his first book, he says that, you know, the Holy Spirit moved men along. He moved them along to write the very words of God. And, and did you ever think about how that happened? Uh, how it worked out? Well, there, I, I had a meeting one time, and in that meeting, uh, somebody said that they had this idea. And their idea, I think, was almost like um, uh, in the... In the uh, uh, some corners of the world where they talk about like mystics and psychics and all those kind of things, that they, they talk about automatic writing where somebody goes into a trance and they just kind of, their hand starts to go and they just write. And this person, that, that was their idea of how God inspired the Word of God, was people just sat down and all of a sudden they just, you know, wrote the Bible. And I said, I just can't buy that. I just don't believe that that's how it happened. I think somehow, I mean, as you read one book or another book, you can see the personality. You can see the experiences. You can see the life of that person. And quite often, and if you get into the study of the Greek and Hebrew, you'll find out that those individuals were actually taking stuff from the common language of their day, and they were doing stuff with it. They were using it. Sometimes, like Paul, he was the first one that I really started to bring up grace in a big way in the New Testament, and he started taking charis and giving it a whole brand new meaning that it hadn't been used as in his uh, culture. And so Peter, as he's writing this thing, he grabs out of his culture of his day uh, this interesting thing for the word add. 
I mean, how much can you do with the word add, A-D-D? That's just a short word in the King James Version, you know, in our version. That's really short, just the word add. But he uses a great big word in the Greek, epikorogeo. Epikorogeo, that's the word that he uses. And it's really interesting. And you might hear in the middle of that chorus, all right? And it means to pay the chorus, to pay for the chorus. And the reason he was choosing that was because in that day, when you came to visit Greece uh, and you were some sort of a diplomat or some sort of a a person, a a high-ranking person from another country, and you came there, one of the things that the Greeks would do is they would put on a play. They would put on some sort of a drama or some sort of a comedy and you would come. And so you would, as you know, there's all these different places in, in Greece where they did that kind of thing. And so you would come and you would view all these things. And there was always what they called the Greek chorus. Now, I didn't know much about Greek choruses, but then if any of you, how many of you have listened to a Disney movie before? Have you done that? Uh, I have grandkids. Uh, just this in uh, maybe just a few weeks ago, my little three-year-old granddaughter was there, and I think I watched Brave about three or four times, because she just wanted me, again, again, you know. Well, if you listen carefully, you can hear the Greek chorus. And if you notice, in a lot of Disney movies, you'll hear that Greek chorus, where something is happening. There, there's action on the screen, but behind it, you can hear, ah, 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 ah. that's the Greek chorus. And so that was what they would do when you came to a drama or a a comedy. It would be that chorus of people that would set the tone for it. And if you really, if you were a a traveling dignitary and you enjoyed that drama, what you would do is you would pay for the chorus. And so Peter took that terminology of paying for the chorus and he put it in here because he says, we need to invest beyond our salvational faith. And so he goes through this whole list of wonderful things. And he says, add to your faith virtue. Now, virtue could have, uh, was quite often used as moral excellence. You know, this is a good person, trustworthy person. This is the kind of person that you want your, your son or daughter to marry. You know, you want somebody who's virtuous. But it actually uh, is also used in a way uh, where they use the word dunamis, power. And in fact, there's that story in Luke chapter 8 and verse 46 where the woman reached through the crowd to get a hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, somebody touch me. And they said, Lord, there's people all around here. Of course you got touched. He said, no, 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 this was a different kind of touch. He said, virtue went out from me. And so there was power. He called it dunamis that had gone out. And I, and I thought about that and I said, you know, I want some of that myself. You know, I want to see that when I share my testimony, when I'm answering a question for somebody, when I'm praying with somebody, I want to see some power, some dunamis in that. I want to see some results out of that. And I think Peter was kind of getting to that. He was saying, yeah, do that. Uh, How many of you guys have a, a, a life verse? Do you have a life verse? A verse from the Bible and you say, this is my life verse? Many of us have John 3.16 and things like that. My life verse is from Philemon, verse 6 of Philemon. Philemon is just this little tiny letter that Paul wrote. And and my life verse is Philemon, verse 6, that said, uh, he says, the communication, that the communication of your faith might become effectual by the acknowledging 
acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Whatever he is, I can now get into because he's in me. So when I need bread to share with people, I've got the bread of life in me. You know, uh, if I need to share some water with them, well, I've got the living water that's in me. You know, in other words, what he has, he can share. And, and Paul was praying for Philemon and his church and uh, his home group that he had. And he was kind of saying there, you know, um, I'm praying that you know, the communication of your faith might become effectual. Now, in the newer translations, they've taken the word communication out. That was the old King James word, but I love that. I I think that's really good because that's what it is. I'm communicating my faith with somebody else. And so he says, add to your faith virtue. And then he goes on to say, add to your virtue knowledge. Because if I've got some powerful faith now, I need to know how to use it right. (laughs) Because we see people who sometimes don't use it right. I mean, if you give a person a whole bunch of power, I mean, it can be like giving the kid the bazooka. You know, they're just going <laughs> to shoot the place up. So I, I need to have knowledge go along with that virtue so that I can do things for God and do them in a knowledgeable way. It says add to the knowledge self-control. Because again, we are so passionate. Uh, we can sometimes uh, use our faith and use our knowledge and whatever to bless people, but also it can get kind of dangerous So we need to stop and use self-control. Use self-control. Can I have a couple extra minutes? Will you let me do that? Okay, okay. good. Uh, I was thinking about this one time. Do you ever notice how when you're having a conversation with somebody, they mention something and when they mention it, you want to jump in because you've got a great story that goes along with what they just mentioned. And sometimes they just won't stop. They just keep talking and you're just inwardly, you're going, come on, come on, come on. Because I want to get it. I want to get my story in. I want to do this thing that I want to say. Well, that happens to me sometimes. And I was in uh, uh, the county jail and I was doing a one-on-one with somebody. And the person mentioned something. And when they mentioned that, I started to already, my wheels begin to turn. And I've got the perfect story to add to what they just said. But the Holy Spirit, who in Psalm 139, knows my thought afar off and knows my word even before it gets in my mouth, he was saying to me, uh-uh, don't do it. <laughs> and, I was, and as the person kept talking, I was having this argument between me and the Holy Spirit where I was saying, but it's a great story, come on! I want to tell it! And the Holy Spirit just was giving me this sense that I should not tell that story. And then as the person went on, I realized they had gone through a very abusive situation and whatever my story was going to actually be counterproductive to the situation. And I thought, wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being such a great editor. Thank you for giving me self-control because sometimes I need it. And so Peter says, add to your Uh, knowledge, add self-control to that. And again, there's all these wonderful things. He says, add perseverance or patience. Because a lot of times what will keep us on track is just slowing down a little bit and taking it a little bit easy and, and, you know, uh, thinking about what we're going to say. And that can really save us from a lot of different things. Uh, Perseverance is also really important because Jesus, well, man, he endured he endured for our sakes. He endured the cross for our sakes because of the church that was set before him. He said, yeah, I'm going to do it for the church. So sometimes it adds that, that endurance. He says, add to that perseverance. He says, add to it um, um, godliness. 
Godliness in the original Greek is eusebia, which means to be a well-worshipper, to be a good worshipper. Uh, add that in there. I hope all you get... Where do you do your most worship? Are you like me? Do you do it in your car when you're driving down the road and you got FLM on or something like that and you're listening to a local radio station? Maybe you got your CD in there or something. Or maybe you're in the shower. I don't know. But you have that place where you really can just let it go and it doesn't make a difference uh, whether it sounds like a... What was it? A, a strangling cat or something? Uh, yeah, it doesn't make a difference. You can just sing it out. But you worship him not only in song and music, but also in your life and also in your words and also in your, the things you do for others. And so be a well-worshipper. He says, add to that godliness. He says, add brotherly kindness. We need to have that, that phileo love that we have for each other. That's why I can come here and just fall in love with you guys today because we're all part of the same family. We're all part of the family of God. And so it's great to have other brothers and sisters in the Lord like that. Um, John, in John chapter 15, Jesus said, By this shall all men know, all men, the whole world will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. Wow. Every once in a while when something like that happens. Um, there was that one story there quite a few years ago, quite a few years ago, about a mailman who kind of went off the, I don't know what happened to this guy, but he ended up going into an Amish school and he killed a bunch of Amish students. Do you remember that one years ago? And I remember when I was watching the news about it, well, it was a sad story, but the thing that was so phenomenal was the fact that the Amish folks went to his wife and took care of his wife and brought his wife food and whatever. And the people on the news didn't know what to do with that. They said, how can they do that? You know, and I think we as evangelical Christians, we should be doing those kind of things, you know? It's us going and doing it. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's amazing. And, and that's what he says to do. And he says, lastly, brotherly love, he says, add to that agape love. Agape love, which is the love of God. By the way, folks, we can't produce agape love ourselves. It's, it's unconditional. It's, we just can't do that. But the good news is Romans 5.5. 5, Romans 5.5 5 tells us that it's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit of God. So I get it, and you get it if you're a believer today. You get it, and now you can share it because you've gotten it from him. I can't produce it, put it together myself, but I can get it from him, and then I can share it with somebody else. And so he says to do all that. Let me jump way ahead here to the fact that Peter says, if you have all these things, if you've added these things, then he says you're never going to be barren, empty. You're never going to have this empty closet and not have anything to share with somebody else. That's never going to happen to you. And not only that, he says you're never going to be unfruitful, like those vines in John chapter 15 that didn't grow anything. No, he says you're going to be growing stuff like crazy. He says if you add to your faith all these things, wow. And, and again, let me just add this, that I can't add those things myself, but I submit myself to the Holy Spirit, and I, and I find that he will help me to add those things to my life. God wants to transform me. God wants to do some great things with me, and so I want to be available to that. 
Peter says, if you don't, if you're not experiencing this, he says, here, let me tell you what's wrong. You're nearsighted. (laughs) All you're looking at is what's around you. All you're looking at is right here. He says, you got to stop that. Uh, He says, it'd be better for you if you'd set your mind on things above where your life is. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. He said, uh, stop looking at the temporary things and start looking at the eternal things. And that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we need to change our focus. And if we change our focus, then we're going to be in better shape. He says, not only that, he says, but we're forgetful. Sometimes we forget that we are cleansed from our sins by the blood of Christ. So we can start doing some amazing things. You, he has unfrozen you. So whatever you have in your past, and I don't care who's been telling you, oh yeah, you're always gonna, we're always going to know you that. No, no. You've been unfrozen, and now you can do some things just like Peter, just like Peter did. Let's have a word. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your amazing gospel, and Lord, we're, we're thankful for the individuals that you've called out uh, to be the ones to write the Bible. Uh, Lord, that many of them were called out of all different kinds of backgrounds and situations and circumstances, experiences. Uh, Some, Lord, were not the best, but you transformed them and were able to use them in just amazing ways uh, to bring forth your word that's touching our life even now, thousands of years later. We just thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, we pray that in, in some way that you could use us. Lord, you've already used us but we want you to use us even more. And Lord, if we're lacking in some area, that Lord, you'd help us to add that thing to our life that we might be even better at being uh, your ambassadors, your servants, uh, to do the work that you've given us. Lord, uh, just use each one here, Lord. And we know that you've got some folks here that you've got some real plans for. And Lord, we just ask for you to continue to grow them, transform them, Lord, and, and give them that mission. We just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm